Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for checking into the best Houston sports podcast and Sports Radio 610's Sean Bajani. Back with me for the Texans' final 2022 preseason postgame show. And you're wondering, like, why is it taking you guys a few extra hours to, to get this out? Well, it's because, Sean, you've been out, out at the game. You've covered the game. You're covering practice every week. You're out there all the time, right? Yeah, I didn't go to bed uh, after the game until like 3.45 in the morning. I pounded out a couple articles, <laughs> one on Kenyon Green, the other on Jerry Hughes, Mario Addison, and Malik Collins. And um, That's my OCD. I probably should have knocked him out an hour and a half before, but I am OCD on that stuff, and it's hard to go to bed when you're a perfectionist, I guess. Oh, man. Yeah, I understand that. I'm perfectionist, especially when it comes to writing. And Not that my product is perfect by any stretch, but I, I am. A, if that makes sense, I don't know. <laughs> I want to just run through the game possession by possession like we usually do. And also, I just got to remind everybody real quick. I'm now up on t- I've joined the TikTok generation. I'm, I'm a I'm a kid no longer, uh, but I'm still a kid at heart. So I'm, I'm now on TikTok and you can see my Robert rants. I'm going to put some occasional Robert rants up there. Try to do it on a regular basis for you guys. Got a couple of them up there already couple of Texans-related ones. I started off with the Texans, so you guys are going to love it. Uh, 49ers, first offensive possession, Sean. The Texans get off the field thanks to great man coverage by cornerback Steven Nelson on third and two. The former third-round pick in his eighth year, first in Houston. Doesn't seem like his signing was talked about much, but he started his last three years with the Steelers. You know, he's, it's not a bad pickup at all. No, uh, he's been uh, a true professional in camp and has had a really good camp. Uh, he's caught a lot of people's eyes uh, from day one. Uh, he's a veteran in that um, in that secondary room, and he's been fun to watch. He's been fun to talk to after practices um, and even just watch his interaction with some of the guys. And so it was really nice to see him flash early. Texans' first offensive drive led. Damian Tomlinson Pierce is still a smoke show. Six carries, 37 yards. The six carries, 37 yards doesn't do it justice because he can only get one yard on the touchdown, Sean. They only give you one yard on a one-yard touchdown run. He does it with three linemen who aren't likely starting week one. That's how good he looked. Yeah, I asked him uh, in particular about uh, running with the ones, if you will, uh, against the 49ers. and. Um, if he was worried at all about uh, developing the continuity, the timing with that group, uh, since he hadn't had very much of it in camp. Um, and he ran with a totally different group a couple of weeks ago with the Saints and is still yet to uh, run behind Laramie Tunsil, uh, Kenyon Green, and Justin Britt. Uh, maybe Green was out there for one of those. I can't remember. But certainly Britt and Tunzel haven't been on the field together or at all for Tunzel in that case uh, with Pierce. And he said, man, it doesn't matter who you put in front of me. As long as they're blocking, I'm around the football. It doesn't matter. Uh, his confidence, as it should be, is sky high uh, at this point, especially after last night's game. I mean, he was he was pumped after the game last night, and he should be. Uh, I asked him about his anxiety as well. Uh, going into the game and you know he talked about a couple of weeks ago how his heart was just like racing and you know pitter patter and before his first uh NFL action and he's like man it didn't change this is something that you just maybe don't get used to because it's we're about to go play NFL football it's the real deal and you know that's just what he does and he, he looked great doing it man it, 
I, I wrote before the game that the Texans are sure treating him like a starter. You know, it remains to be seen, though, if, in fact, he's going to be that guy. And now I don't think there is a shred of doubt uh, that he is the Texans' number one running back. Um, I even have my doubts about Marlon Mack making the football team. He probably will. Um, and I think the Texans will probably keep four running backs, but Damian Pierce has just been flat out that good. My fantasy expert's going to be on next week. I know fantasy people out there scrambling to uh, figure out where they're going to put Damian Pierce, but he's, he's moving up the fantasy boards for sure. Let's go to the next Texans defensive possession. They give up just one first down should have been a three and out after a couple of good pass rushes and a Kurt Heinish sack. We're going to get back to Kurt Heinish in a second, but Steven Nelson with an illegal contact penalty downfield. And Sean, that's going to be a point of emphasis this year. They've made no bones about it. And you saw it on that play, a couple of plays with the Texans already. So uh, they, that's something they got to look out for, for sure. Yeah. Um, you know, I thought overall the Texans did a much better job in limiting the penalties and silly mistakes. However, you know, it's preseason for the referees, too. I thought there was a ton of missed calls last night on both sides. I thought the Texans... Uh, in particular in the secondary, were um, really handsy and got away with a number of hooks and grabs. And look, you know, the 49ers did too. Um, but those are things that as the NFL season goes along, good referees teams aren't going to miss. Uh, so I do worry about that. Um, I, I think this Texans secondary in large, and Steven Nelson is a big part of this. They're fast. They're physical. They're good football players. So I'm excited about that. And I think with the pass rush that we've seen, and I know we'll get to this, uh, it's going to make that secondary look even better this year. All right, let's go to the Texans back on offense because you got a Mills incompletion to Nico on third and three. Might have tried to force it into Nico a little bit. Good coverage by the Niners. Chris Conley, I noticed, had a little space uh, out in the left flat. I keep saying this. I feel like a broken record. Davis, not comfortable going left. I saw this a couple more times last night where guys were open or he was just inaccurate going to the left. Uh, yeah, and that's a great observation by you. Um, I went and talked to a few people at practice. As you and I discussed this here in the last week <clears throat> about Mills going to the left, and I, I was just kind of curious, like, all right, is this the Mills issue? Is this a right-handed quarterback issue? Um, what's the success rate for those guys looking left and completing passes to the left? Davis Mills right now, it does appear to be an issue for him, as I think I'm going to get the numbers confused, but it's not good either way. He was either seventh or ninth worst uh, in the NFL last year when going to his left. And I think that's something absolutely to keep an eye on. However, I also think Pep Hamilton, he's a smart guy and he's aware of that. And I'd be interested to see what kind of success rate uh what the success rate looks like for mills when brandon cooks is on the field and nico collins is on the field together and this just this total first unit offense and how they're able to move and change things around and maybe get davis more comfortable given a target like cooks if he's on the left side or is running right to left in those situations it's going to be something interesting to pay attention to Keep an eye out for it, for sure. So the 49ers, next drive they put together, a drive that, you know, they're doing well, but then Jalen Petrie and Grenard come up with a big stop in the backfield on fourth and two. Love the young guys, but the real conversation 
in that first quarter, in that first half, really, got to show some love to Kurt Heinisch. I mentioned him earlier. Outstanding game for the undrafted defensive tackle because he really got the push that set that whole thing up, and and he was fantastic. Was uh, you know, and he's lined up in a couple of different techniques. Uh, you know, he'll play head up. He'll play uh, a two eye, uh, true shade. Uh, I think I even saw him playing a three last night, you know, at one point where they walked a linebacker down into the A gap. So they showed a bunch of different looks with Heinish alone last night. Um, and I was really keen on him uh, in particular. Uh, and the Texans schematically, uh, especially, you know, Lovey, they're not going to show too, too much of their hand, but there's only so much you can hide defensively uh, when you're trying to see what guys can do. So I, I think they've got the athletes. I think they've got the toughness, uh, the tenacity, and a good mix of young, rookie, and veteran guys alone in that defensive line that they feel like they can do some really fun and creative things with. Uh, and Kurt Heinisch continued to impress. I mean, my God, what is his preseason total up to now? I think it's like seven or eight total tackles, three TFLs, and maybe four sacks. Could be three or four sacks. I can't remember. I don't think it's four. Um, but he's he's impressed. Um, and he's going to be fun to watch. He's making this team. There's no doubt about it. Just think about that compliment that Roy Lopez and Kurt Heinisch have on the interior now with a Jerry Hughes and Jonathan Bernard on the outside uh, as your defensive ends with that pass rush. I mean, Heinisch did some things that you would expect a – a veteran, like a cagey guy to do, you know, somebody that's been around a while. He's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, took advantage of Roy Lopez being out, first of all. Second of all, you said at the depth there, probably the deepest position of the entire Texans. There's going to be some tough cuts at that position. So, you know, just keep an eye out on all that. On the next drive, the Texans go three and out. Brevin Jordan with the drop, his second wide open drop of the preseason. I don't like to see that. So I'm going to move to the next defensive drive because Desmond King, a beautiful interception. I assume, Sean, that he's the starting slot corner at this point with Tavier out with the injury. Yeah, you know, he's got a bulk of the reps uh, in practice. And I even think in some of these games, um, he he just looks like a natural fit. He had a really good season last year uh, for a bad football team, to be quite honest. Um, that interception, you know, against the 49ers, the strength of his hands, I, he just absolutely plucked that out of the air. I mean, that was strong. Uh, and not only that, I mean, he was ready to go and go score. I think made a business decision, <laughs> you know, uh, as well, you know, maybe not trying to push it too much. It is preseason. The Texans had a lead and they were doing their thing. They executed a great play right there. But um, he looks good along with the other ones in that secondary. I am, I am very excited about this defense overall uh, i think right now the defense kind of like we talk about in baseball you know uh, when the regular season starts you know pitching is far ahead of the hitting right now the defense is far ahead of what this team is doing and showing and capable of offensively the defense looks good for a team coming off of a four-win season the defense looks good for a football team coming off of an eight nine-win season i think they're that good, entertaining, fun to watch. Um, and I think that's how disruptive and dangerous they're going to be is what you've seen this preseason. That's their identity right now. Absolutely. And Lovey Smith here, there's no doubt that he was going to be the identity for this team. So Davis Mills 
uh, throws it to Chris Moore in the end zone on third and seven after the interception. Basically, strongest guy wins kind of throw between Moore and the corner, but the ball gets knocked around into a Niners defensive back to various Moore's hands. What did you think of that throw by Mills? Was that all right? Did you like the jump ball situation there? No, I've, we've seen too many jump ball situations uh, from Davis Mills this preseason. Um, hell, even the touchdown uh, was it, uh, a couple of weeks ago. Was that the Saints? Yeah, it was the, it was the Saints game when he threw that uh, uh, touchdown pass in the back right corner of the end zone to Nico Collins, where Collins had to wrestle it away from the guy. Uh, when you've got a guy like Nico in particular and Connolly, uh, and even more for that matter, you got to be able to, if you're going to use those guys as red zone targets and Cooks not being out there as well, he should get his fair amount of looks as well in the red zone. You got to be able to put the ball where only they can get it. And Davis has not been able to do that. There's some throws that I think he's improved upon. Um, and, you know, that's the ones where he's really to just kind of able to drive that left shoulder upfield and put some sauce on a throw. Those passes where he's really got to be a little touchy with and fit into tight windows, um, it feels very Matt Schaub to me. Um, if you remember when, you know, Andre Johnson and Matt Schaub were, you know, in their peak, if you will, with the Texans years ago, Dre wasn't even in a lot of red zone packages, and Schaub had a really difficult time finding his big receivers um, and throwing them open into space in the end zone. I think. We're seeing similar similarities, unfortunately, with Mills, but he's young enough to where I think he can improve upon that. I think that's going to be something to keep an eye on. To me, Cook's not being out there in the red zone. That's a guy that's going to get open. We've seen it all camp long. So that's a major weapon not, uh, you know, for Mills not to have his, at his disposal at this point in time. Yeah, and if he wants to improve that, Throw it on the outside. Don't throw it on the inside where the DBs get back into play, especially the safeties and things like that. You know, th that's one of the things that I would be critical of him. So nothing major of note the next couple of possessions for either team on offense. Sean, we finally saw Kenyon Green starting in the second quarter, and I could see his ability to push guys around in the running game, smashing people up front, second level stuff too. He's getting down to second level, but pass blocking, just like we thought, it needs a little work. I saw him beat, get beat a couple times. Yeah, he even uh, admitted, uh, you know, after the game <clears throat> when we were talking to him that that's something that he needs to improve on. Um, you could tell just in the way that he'd answered um, some of those questions that that was already at the forefront of his mind. Um, you could tell as well that he was pretty satisfied with what he was able to do run blocking wise. I, I thought he displayed really impressive quickness, lateral movement, uh, as you said, uh, getting to the second level, uh, the Texans pulled him uh, from the left guard position to uh, the opposite A gap and B gap and even got him outside the tackle on one of those plays. I think it was like a little bubble screen or just a little flare pass out to the right. He did a fantastic job. Boy, if, if the Texans are going to utilize him like that, where it's him against a linebacker, him against a safety or a corner Pfft, kidding me. Like this guy's going to be a lot of fun to watch because he's going to get a lot of pancakes, but the Texans gave him a couple opportunities where they ran right behind him. And he looked really good. Got a very good push for a team that calls themselves a running team. Offensively. That's what they want their identity to be. 
I mean, it's fun to imagine, you know, what it's going to look like with Tunsil, Green, and Britt out there on that left side, respectively, uh, going forward with Damian Pierce running the rock. It's going to be a lot of fun. I thought for a guy that missed a couple of weeks, uh, some serious developmental reps with a concussion uh, and coming off of uh, knee surgery, uh, you know, the road that he's had this preseason and in training camp, really impressive debut. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I want to talk a little bit more about the offensive line in just a second. But so I want to just briefly on the second half, Texans leave in Davis Mills for the first drive. Good drive on the first drive and Mills throws two touchdowns to end the drive. And I say two touchdowns because the first one nullified by Chris Moore on an offensive pass interference penalty on an eco TD. But then Moore quickly makes up for it with his own TV. TD, any question Moore's made the roster at wide receiver? Nope. No, I, maybe there was a shred of doubt uh, for some people going into la, uh, the the 49ers game. But, I mean, I just think it's slim pickings with the receiver core, to be quite honest with you. And I say that because Estrada has always been on the outside looking in. Connor Weddington flashed early in camp, but I'd say over the course of the last week and a half, maybe two weeks, uh, we've steadily seen a decline. Um, not with his usage or targets in camp per se, um, but he hadn't flashed in games. And we've heard Lovey Smith continuously talk about that. And I just think um, for a, a team, if you ask the question, and I've talked about this a lot this preseason, have they put Davis Mills in the best position possible to be successful? The, to me, one of the biggest questions comes down to the receiver core, and it's a glaring no in that regard, from an offensive line standpoint, I feel like they've done a pretty damn good job. And now it's just guaranteed. Um, I, I can't say guaranteed, but it's looked really good with Damian Pierce in the backfield. What about the receiver core? Aside from Brandon Cooks, you're really struggling for a number two, number three option here. And it really hurts with no uh, Mechie in camp now as he's dealing with uh, leukemia. But I feel like Chris Conley, Chris Moore, and even Philip Dorsett, especially Philip Dorsett. And it's going to be key for this guy to stay healthy because he and Brandon Cooks complement each other very, very well. They're very similar, but they can be very different in terms of their usage, I think. And Dorsett talked about that about a week or so ago in camp, and I'm interested to see more. Um, but I, I think from a veteran standpoint, you have to have those kind of guys, those guys that have made plays before, that have proven to be durable guys, be a part of this receiver core for Davis Mills and this offense that needs, um, you know, more proven ability than less tinkering with inexperience. Yeah, Mechie's cancer diagnosis really blew up everything that they were doing, and that's unfortunate. What have you thought of Marlon Mack? You think he's going to be on this roster? Could they pick somebody up and all of a sudden? Because, you know, it, it, to me, it's been very hit and miss. He, he does a lot of shaking around at the line of scrimmage, but uh, I'm not seeing him hit holes quickly enough. There was one play, I want to say it was in the second half, where, you know, five guys get a push, and and you basically, all you got to do is find a hole somewhere because there's nobody getting in the backfield and he just kind of runs into it. He just sort of runs into the line, runs into issues. This is like near the goal line. So that I, I just haven't been real impressed with his vision more than anything. I think if uh, we deem it fair to question whether or not Damian Pierce was going to struggle with continuity and timing with the offensive line that was blocking for him when he was in, I think it's also fair to ask 
Um, the same thing for a guy like Marlon Mack, because in my opinion, the two games previously, Max looked pretty good. Max looked pretty good in training camp uh, on, on the daily. You could easily tell, though, that Pierce is the guy. Um, there's no question about that. But for a guy that carried the ball 27, 28 times last year for the Colts um, and missed 15 games the previous year to the Achilles injury, coming back, you know, at an advanced age, we don't expect too much for a running back at the NFL level to, to do too much. I mean, it just really remains to be seen. I, I, I don't know that there's – it's almost like – it's almost like a guy beyond the age of 38 in Major League Baseball getting Tommy John surgery, <laughs> you know, and having any realm of success. It just doesn't happen. Is Marlon Mack going to box up a little of that Justin Verlander this year, and, you know, show out? I don't think so. I think he could be serviceable if he makes the team. I think it's a fair question. I have my doubts because um, I'm going to call him Hobo. I can't pronounce that guy's name, uh, the Texans' fourth or fifth running back uh, that got carries last uh, the last game ahead of Royce Freeman. But Oboes looked pretty damn good. Uh, he looked sure of himself. Athletic Dare is his first name. Um, and he can kick field goals. And I was surprised he didn't put up a fight uh, for uh, to be the kickoff guy in that last game too. But the Texans went out and got some dude off the street and had him do that instead of Dare. I mean, the more you can do, Darry's probably beating the hell out of the door for uh, Lovey Smith to go let him do it. But I think because Darry, I think Rex, his mentorship, his experience, and really he's a special teams ace and a pass catcher out of the backfield. You couple that with what we've seen from Damian Pierce, um, I, I just think it gets a little tight. Are they going to keep four running backs um, and a fullback? I, I don't know. It's going to be very interesting because, you know, to me, the fullback situation gets a little interesting with Questenberry's status because he could also maybe play tight end as well. So he's a versatile guy. He also plays uh, special teams really, really well. Um, so it's going to get tricky in terms of a numbers thing, but I think you can bring back eight guys off of IR within the first four games this season. And so while the Texans aren't too banged up, that might mean – a good thing for a guy like Ross Blacklock to keep a roster spot here. You stash him on IR a little bit. You get a look at some of those guys. Um, maybe it makes sense to do something similar with the running back room, maybe some tight ends because really the tight ends that people have locks. And I even wrote about this earlier this week. Brevin Jordan's failed to impress me. Pharaoh Brown's been hurt, but I really like Mason Shrek. Um, and I really like Tegan Quatoriano. Those two guys, and look, he's a draft choice, so he shouldn't be going anywhere. Um, they're going to get creative, I think. You know, we'll find out here in the next three, four days when they whittle it down. But they're going to get creative, I think, with this 53. Yeah, they're they're third on the waiver wire because of their record. So I would assume they're going to bring in another running back in the next week or so. Could be happening as you and I speak. I don't know, but that's something to look out for. You, you briefly mentioned the Fairbairn injury. Is that anything to, to worry about long term? I don't think so. Um, you know, I always kind of look at these sort of things with a side eye. Um, if it was a regular season game, he probably goes, right? It's a preseason game. He's uh, been, you know, one of the most consistent kickers, maybe the most consistent kicker in the entire league inside 40 yards. Um, and he's shown much better accuracy in camp 
Um, got an opportunity to kick a 59, 60-yard field goal a couple of weeks ago and missed it by that much. Certainly had the leg, missed it by that much to the right. Um, he's looked really good, confident, smooth. I think it's precautionary, you know, um, but something, you know, to keep an eye on. I just look at things like this with a side eye, like, you know, Lovey's treated this camp like a true ramp-up process, like as if we were having a fourth preseason game, this was the dress rehearsal, and it really was. But it's also the last one. But you have two weeks to get guys healthy. Don't push it with Fairband, maybe some other guys. Uh, you want to be precautious for guys that you already know what they can do anyway. You talked about how good the defenses looked. I want to bring up two numbers from last night's game. They rushed for 156 yards on 36 carries last night, 4.6 yards per carry. That's offensively. Okay, so the rushing game, way better than we've seen it before. They held San Francisco to 51 rushing yards on 24 carries for 2.1. 4.6 yards on one side for the Texans, 2.1 on the other side. You sort of talked about the defense. Let's talk about the offensive line for just two seconds. This offensive line looks like it's so much better coached. And I talked a little bit about it on my Robert rant on TikTok. Houston Sports Talk, Robert, go check it out. I get into a little bit of detail on it, but I want you to talk about this, Sean, because we've seen the offensive line play under Bill O'Brien, and I thought guys were missing assignments. I thought they didn't look like they had a plan of what they wanted to do on the offensive line. People didn't know where they were going. It didn't matter who they brought in. You could say it was talent, but I don't see a bunch of all pros out there in the preseason. I mean, Tunsil hasn't played. You know, Justin Britt, a veteran, hasn't played. We've seen a lot of mishmash units out there, and they've just looked a hell of a whole lot better. They're smart. They're smart. Um, I, I think that's a big, big uh, part of it. And I also think, you know, you mentioned Bill O'Brien. It's a, it's a different uh, ask uh, for this group of offensive linemen as opposed to a Bill O'Brien uh, offense where a lot of the onus is on the quarterback to make the calls and get linemen um, squared away in terms of what blocks they're going to make. Um, and now, you know, a lot of that responsibility is on the center, you know, Justin Britt, Scott Questenberry, um, you know, really everybody on the offensive line, uh, not just, you know, centers have talked about it, um, and how important that is, uh, to take a little bit of the pressure off a quarterback and the line is able to kind of just see and talk and identify. Um, and it's a little bit different when your unit is able to make those calls and have that sort of comfortability as opposed to maybe um, being so reliant on one guy to make so many calls at the line. Everybody's on the same page, and I think it's it's shown. Charlie Heck's been really impressive, um, I think, and he's seen a lot of reps at left tackle, um, and I think developed a certain level of comfortability um, from a depth standpoint. Um, it's going to be interesting to see because we've seen Max Sharping, who's a guy that maybe doesn't make this football team uh, this year, get a lot of reps at left guard as well. And with the emergence of Ken, um, Kenyon Green, uh, spelling Justin McCray, another veteran last night, um, the depth on the offensive line, maybe you're talking about the second deepest position group on this football team as opposed to what we've seen on defense. This offensive line is smart. They're athletic. They're tough. They're veteran guys that really utilize what the defense is showing them. One of the most interesting things that I've found uh, out this camp is the conversations that the defensive linemen and offensive linemen are having 
with each other. There's some really good veterans on both sides from Tunsil, uh, you know, at left tackle, who while he hasn't played is really being a mentor to the defensive linemen, as well as guys like Kenyon Green, the young guys on the offensive line. And I think they're just feeding off of that. Um, I think they're understanding the game on a different level. So that's why I think we've seen so much success offensively, um, you know, from the run game. And it's not just because it's Damian Pierce. Like Damian Pierce could have been on this franchise's worst uh, offensive line. And that's probably occurred over the course of the last three or four years, would you say? And he ain't going to look like Damian Pierce. You got to have good linemen. They make the running back look good, and the running back can make the offensive line look good. This year, it looks like simpatico. They're both really good. And there's a reason why Lovey Smith didn't feel the need to press the envelope, if you will, and play him every single preseason game. He wanted to see him play against the 49ers because he's talked nothing about more than rhythm and keeping guys in it. Uh, but also, too, he doesn't want to get too much of a – he didn't want his guys to get too much of a big head and think that anything is being given to him. And I think that went a long way um, with uh, his performance uh, against the 49ers and how many reps he got. But I will say this. Pierce, I think, will get numbers no matter what the offensive line is. I mean, you can't be maybe as bad as they were last year, but there were other offensive lines. The Texans weren't good, but we saw them get a 1,000-yard rushers with, you know, sort of not great backs. You know, they they were get Lamar Miller wasn't great, but Lamar Miller could get you a thousand yards. So I I, I think Damian Pierce, obviously, if he's gonna have like Pro Bowl all pro success, you gotta have a really good offensive line and and hopefully we're seeing that. But, you know, this guy's still gonna rack up stuff. He he just gets the most yards out of every single carry that he can get. Yeah, 100%. And you know what I think is going to open up his game and really the Texans' offense even more? And I wish we would have seen it um, more. Heck, I don't even know if we saw it at all, uh, come to think of it, with Pierce out there. I'd like to see him see what he can do as a pass catcher on the backfield. You know, I, I, I think that just uh, opens up what the Texans can do offensively so much more. And what we asked, uh, who is it, uh, Philip Dorsett the other day, you know, how much of this offense do you think we haven't seen yet? And he's like, a lot. Um, and it has to do with, I think, some of that and the fact that Brandon Cooks hasn't been out there in games at all. We certainly know what he's capable of. I mean, the guy's going to go get his eight, nine catches for 85, 90 yards and maybe a touchdown. You kind of, that's what we're expecting, especially this year, this offense, but maybe more. Uh, with a guy like Damian Pierce running the football, it's going to be interesting. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm not saying this team's going to win seven, eight, nine ball games, but it's going to be entertaining football. It's going to be entertaining football if they're able to stay healthy. Uh, I think we're going to see some some good games, and I think we're going to be able to talk about a team that had the opportunity to. Uh, win maybe seven, eight, nine ball games during the course of a season, as opposed to maybe steal a fifth or a sixth game uh, during the regular season. Yeah, they're four and a half. Uh, that's their predicted win total. I just feel like they're going to get more than that. This is underrated. This division is trash. Uh, they can get some wins against some of these teams. They beat Jacksonville a couple times last year. 
uh, Indy, the Titans. None of, nobody looks great right now. Um, just like five more minutes. I just want to bring this up real quickly, Sean, because we lost a great one this past week. Super Bowl four MVP, Hall of Fame quarterback, Len Dawson, the Chiefs legend, dies at 87. Tons of us remember him, me included, as a host for the fantastic Inside the NFL on HBO. It was the best uh, NFL show there was out there back in the 80s, really. And, and I remember riding the elevator, Sean, with him during a Texans-Chiefs game a few years ago, thinking how cool it was to stand in an elevator with Len Dawson and just a total class act by all accounts. Yeah, I mean, that's a really cool experience. And when you're when you're able to be in the presence of a legend, you know, uh, like that, I mean, that stays with you for a lifetime. Uh, if you, you know, not everybody's had those opportunities uh, to be around maybe one of their favorite players uh, from their younger years or just a guy that they've admired on TV, um, even if it's an elevator ride. A lot of people don't get that opportunity. I, Lynn Dawson, you know, used to hear stories from uh, Barry Warner, you know, about him particularly and uh, guys from, uh, you know, that that era. And, you know, they just, he say they don't make them like that anymore. Well, you know what? Like, I've got some of my guys that I admire uh, that I put in legendary status now that I'm probably going to be telling my two-year-old son 20 year, 25 years from now that, they didn't make him like that anymore. You know, it's a cyclical thing, but Lynn Dawson, he's, uh, he's going to, you know, um, live on in um, the memories of, of, of football fans for forever. I mean, he was an absolute legend. Yeah. And one of my close friends from Missouri broadcast journalism school, I, I was texting with him this week because he grew up a chiefs fan still lives in Columbia, Missouri. And he said, Dawson, closed down a bar at a banquet in Columbia back in 2014. I texted him back. Did you get that info from a inside source or you closed it down with him? He said, Oh, of course I closed it down with him. He said, uh, and this is my friend's quote, a 79 year old closing down the bar. That's a hall of fame move right there. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you know, like uh, that we all want to get to that point. Right. You know, like we don't have to be a legend on a football field or, you know, in a broadcast booth to be able to do that. We just have to live long enough. And I want to be able to say, like, because I'm 79 or 85 years old, I can do whatever the hell I want to do. <laughs> and if I want to close down a bar, you know, till two o'clock on a Friday night or even a Wednesday night, I'm going to do it. All right. So we're almost a week one, about a 10 day span here. Um, we got to run, but I'm telling you. It's been great talking with you about the Texans, Sean, during preseason. I know you're going to try to do more of these post-game shows during the regular season, as many as I can get you in here for. Um, just had a blast doing it. Go check his workout. Like I said, Sports Radio 610. It's at Sean Bajani. If you want to follow him, if you want to ask him a question, go there. He'll 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 reply to you Got if you got a good Texans question for him. I'm sure you'd want to hear from people, right, Sean? 100%. Love it. I wish I'd hear, heard from more. Um, but, you know... Uh, it's a fast paced world. You know, everybody's doing this, you know, so much slow down, text me a question, something like that. I don't mind. I just like talking ball at all times of the day. We're going to have a fantasy guy in here early next week. That's going to come on on a regular basis. A close friend of mine. If you remember, he was on my locked on Texans podcast. Those of you that listen to that will know him and be familiar with him. Incredibly smart. Been doing fantasy for a couple of decades. Also, you know, if you're listening to the audio, Go on YouTube, subscribe, uh, do me a favor, make a comment, you know, on, on one of the episodes, just make a comment, 
tell me what you think. You know, do you agree or disagree? What didn't we discuss? If there's something that you think we're missing from the preseason games, we'd love to hear you. But uh, we're looking forward to the first preseason game. Some more great Astros stuff as they keep rolling along. And uh, can't tell you how much I appreciate you coming on with me once again, Sean. Thanks so much. Appreciate you, Robert. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Hey, you can support the show by subscribing on YouTube and commenting on the videos. Listen to Houston Sports Talk on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, and Google. Don't forget to tell a friend and share our show on social media. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.